Now please remain standing for the reading of God's word this morning. Please turn with me to your Bibles or your app or iPad uh, to Acts chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 37. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one on the seat in front of you uh, below uh, at your feet level. Now hear God's word this morning. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds of all to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food and with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word and all God's people say, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you to study and open God's word together. Uh, when Robin asked me if I would preach in his absence, he's, I think, somewhere up in Green Bay relaxing. He sent us a picture. He looks like he's wind, un, unwinding. I said I'd be happy to share about some of the things that the Lord has been working on in my heart specifically, and that is my desire to draw closer to him as my father as each month and year goes by. <clears throat> and I'm sure that resonates with many of you here, um, but there may be some who do not know the Lord or may be kind of confused or we're curious, like, what it looks like to draw close to a personal God that you can't see or maybe perceive you can't physically interact with. If that is you, uh, it is my hope that today's message will shed some light and some insight on how this can be done. For the God of the Bible is truly real, approachable if anyone has a relationship with him through Jesus, and that's the key. But before we dive into this practically... I wanted to spend some time this morning to discuss what's going on in the book of Acts, specifically chapter 2, to set the stage for what I plan to share. Because to grow in relationship in a, in a personal way, you must be reconciled with God for this to occur. And we see this in the first section of our text this morning. Acts chapter 2 is occurring in the part of the Jewish calendar known as the Feast of the Harvest, and that's when this is observed. It's the Feast of the Harvest is spoken in Exodus 23:16. It is also referred to the day of the first fruits of the wheat harvest in Exodus 34:22. It was a festival during the Old Testament times that the Lord commanded the Israelites to observe 50 days, 50 days after Passover. And the feast was to commemorate the completion of the grain harvest where God's people were giving thank offer, thanksgiving offerings to the Lord for the harvest. And earlier in Acts chapter 2, before this, we see the giving of the Holy Spirit. 
which is accompanied by a rushing wind and tongues of fire. These are usually associated signatures with the Lord's presence, wind and fire. So the spirit then comes upon the apostles and later in the chapter under Peter's preaching, many thousands of people are converted and saved in Jerusalem. Peter convicts his audience that the Jesus that they had delivered up personally to be crucified was intended by God and made to be Lord in Christ and was resurrected in power. So they are most likely fearful, not only being guilty, but then to see the problem is the resurrected Christ possibly is against them. In response, they're convicted of their sin and and turn and repent as a result. So here, Pentecost is the feast of the harvest. This is during Pentecost in the book, uh, in Acts chapter 2, where people come to faith and are saved broadly by the gift of the Spirit. Pentecost comes from the Greek word Pentecoste. It means 50th. So you have Passover, 50 days later you have Pentecost. So here, the harvest is the people who are being saved, the first fruits of God's kingdom. So if you look at me again, starting at verse 37 through 41, here we see these first fruits of salvation as the spirits given out. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Here we see what repentance of the people looked like. They were, quote unquote, cut to the heart. They are asking, what shall we do? Peter then presents the solution, the gospel. Repent, and in response, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. We see God's covenant promise toward households, for the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off. Everyone the Lord calls to himself, And then we see the people responding in faith. Those who received his word were baptized. This sets the stage for today's message, where we will focus on what it practically looks like to grow further in that relationship with the Lord in a personal way. The question we all need to consider first, however, is where are we in this crowd of people in the book of Acts? If you look closely, can you see your face among the crowd? Are you those who were cut to the heart for their sin, which put the Lord Jesus to death? Or are you those who remain unconverted, unchanged, and uncaring? For to know the Lord in a personal way, one must be convicted of sin in a personal way that ultimately caused Jesus to be crucified. And through repentance, God's spirit is poured into the life of the believer. It is this placing our faith in Jesus that opens the door to a lifetime, a lifetime of getting to know the Lord. If that is not you today, but you want to know more, maybe as Jonathan alluded to, about Jesus, please come talk to me or anybody in the church. We'd be happy to speak more about it. But if you are someone who's placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, like the believers in Acts 2, whether it was five minutes ago or five decades ago, 
You are in good company with the brothers and sisters that are seated around you today as we're all on a journey where we're growing in our relationship with God as our Father, a God who is faithful, who knows us very well, and is about the business of converting us to the image of his Son. This is a comforting thing to know that the Lord who knows us so intimate and personally is with us. But at the same time, it might be kind of hard to relate to a perfect God since all of our relationships we have in this life with other people are imperfect. Let me give you an example. There has been a secret of mine, a weakness my whole life that has been challenging from when I was little till probably when I get called home. That weakness is I'm terrible with names. Just awful. You could introduce yourself to me, we could have a wonderful conversation, and as soon as you walk away a few moments later, your name is gone from my brain. And last year, much to Cal's chagrin, my son, this weakness was on full display in his class senior trip where I chaperoned the group of kids. And as I was getting to know some new faces and introducing myself, I committed the following gaffes. The first night when we were meeting the guys in our dorm, I was talking to a young man whose name was Trevor, and I proceeded to call him Derek for some reason. I guess he looked like a Derek to me. He graciously, gently corrected me, telling me that his name was Trevor. Later that night, I was talking to him, and I said, Derek, what do you think? <laughs> he looked at me, and he said, the name is still Trevor. <laughs> I was happy it was time for bed. At breakfast the next day, I was sitting next to Cal, and I was talking to a young girl named Mackenzie about the day ahead. I was curious what we were going to do, and Cal leaned over to me and said, you do know her name is Kenzie, right? To which I said, well, I do now. And last but not least, when we were playing a game in our dorm the second night, I kept referring to a, a guy by the name of Jake as Josh. It was not a pretty sight. So usually, no matter how hard I try, I struggle to be consistent in this personal way. And as challenging as human relations are up in this world, like when I misname people often, we can be comforted to know that this is not the case when the Lord interacts with us. For Jesus works in and through a perfect and intimate love where we encounter the grace and mercy and relationship with the great shepherd. And as a result, you will grow. He will not leave you where he found you. You will grow. But what does this look like in reality? How do you achieve this practically? How do you grow in a relationship with a perfect savior when we are clearly imperfect? And what encouragement can you find from a man who can't even remember people's names? Well, if it was up to me, we'd be in trouble, but it doesn't come to me. It's up to God's word where we find it in the balance of our verses today, specifically in verse 42, about which talks about the fellowship of the believers. Picking up in 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, to any who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here, we see the response the believers had when they came to faith. This is the other side of belief. This is now walking in faith. 
and how it practically worked out and the blessing they experienced as a result. For the remainder of our time together, I want to focus just on verse 42 because that's the recipe that I wanted to communicate today. And verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. From this one verse, we can see a recipe that will be useful for this next year, for the next 10 years, and for the rest of our lives. And with it before us, we should be asking ourselves, how will this be useful for our well-being? Because ultimately, the healthy, fulfilling, and well-balanced lives we all long to have only comes when we walk with the Lord God. From this one verse, I wanted to share three main points this morning that may seem obvious, but really will take a lifetime to explore and grow in and work towards. In a different way to say it, there's three things we must be devoted to. And they are knowing God's word, finding your people, and engaging in a praying life. Starting off in the first part of Acts 42, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In this chapter in Acts, we see the early church starting to form. They're growing out of Jerusalem and Judea. And this is after Christ's ascension. And in the process, these new believers are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is the word of God in their common context. So, why is knowing the word of God so valuable? What can be gained from understanding God's word? Well, clearly wisdom for the moments of this life, but most importantly, is you understand the character of the Lord who has created all things and in his mercy redeemed all those who call on Jesus in faith. You, as a result, get the Lord himself. Don't miss that. The whole context of scripture talks about our salvation, but the character of the Lord is imprinted from start to finish. And you see the character of the Lord. Now, it's a challenging book to read, set over different time periods, spanning thousands of years and cultures that we can't relate to, so why bother? Because it is in this medium that God's spirit instructs and grows us. And as you understand more, the book will actually come alive to you in your best moments, and in your worst moments. You will see the Lord with spiritual eyes, and passages that you have studied over time will move from head knowledge to heart knowledge in only a way that the Lord can bless. Without it, there is no firm foundation. You will be without an anchor, making the challenges and worries of this life even more difficult since you will have no reference. You will be, as alluded to in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, like, quote, children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, end quote. God's word is a daily essential. It will reap rewards that are immeasurable and eternal. If you plan to make investments in this life, go all in on this one. And practically, it can just be reading a little each day asking questions of Pastor Robin or the elders or people that you trust as you go. Join Bible study groups. Dialogue with others on what God is doing to them in their lives through his word. Then over time, you will see how the pieces fit together, how the story of God's people is your story, and how the salvation found in Jesus is your salvation. The second point to challenge us is found later in the verse where we are told the believers devoted themselves to the fellowship the breaking of bread. Practically, this is finding your people in all areas of your life. 
And by your people, I mean other believers. People who have faith in Jesus and are about living their lives both publicly and privately for the Lord God. Aligning yourself with people like this who are not double-minded to you, not double-minded showing you one life and then living another, but true believers is critical for your growth. And these relationships, you will have fellowship and the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread traditionally is meant to mean the Lord's Supper. And that is a critical means of grace, which we take part here at Westminster every month. But honestly, spiritual growth happens not only through communion at church, but also around the dinner table over time. Fellowship when things are great. Fellowship when things are hard and difficult. People who love Jesus will people, be people you can trust your heart to and be vulnerable with. Now this is a challenging thing for certain. It's one thing to engage with God who is perfect. It's another thing to engage with people who are not. We need to be wise. But given time, if you're honest about yourself and you don't compromise on what you stand or believe in, you will find God's people in all areas of your life. There will be times of loneliness, but making friends within God's people is always worth it. To have one or two strong relationships that are real, that are honest, that are found in faith and fellowship, are worth their weight in gold. Sadly, many people go through this life without having that type of connection. And it is in those relationships that the Lord will work on your heart by using people around you to hold you accountable, to be praying for you as you walk. And then there will be a trust that is so valuable, you will come to lean on it. And we understand that there's no perfect people in this life. We're all sinners. But I believe you understand what I'm getting at, babe. Maybe the relationships you have now or what this may look like. The ones that have been forged over time, ones that are real, that are special. We must continue to search those out and not compromise for the sake of popularity or insecurity. Remember, we become who we hang out with. When we engage with people, we give them permission to influence us. So we need to be wise. The relationships built in this fellowship and breaking of bread are vital. Find your people, lean into them as you go, and allow them to lean into you. God does some of his best work through the people that he surrounds us with. Moving on to the last part of the verse, we see that they devoted themselves to the prayers. Devoted to prayer, that's an interesting concept. Being devoted to God's word and fellowship is one thing but prayer. This part of the sermon is not a guilt trip. Please understand, we could all be better in how we pray. But we should consider what being devoted to prayer may look like and what benefit it may have for us. The first point of today's message, reading God's word, you see the Lord. The second part, you see him working through the lives of people in fellowship. In this third point, devoting your life to prayer, you get the heart of God and the understanding of him more fully as being your father. Jesus tells us throughout the Gospels that God's people need to approach the Lord as a little child, someone who is utterly dependent, always believing they will be cared for, and trusting in what comes next will always be provided. So whether you are young or old, don't forget, you need to approach the Lord as a child. And in this childlike relationship through prayer, you will see the Lord who will provide for you as you go. He is your heavenly father who loves you more than you can know because what Jesus has done for you. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus, whom he loves. 
And because of that, the Lord of the entire universe is for your good. He has a soft heart and loves to bless you. Now to think on this practically, if you have a relationship with someone in this life, you will be in conversation with that person. The more often you talk to that person, the more intimate the relationship. If you only talk to your friend once a year and only ask for things you may need on that time, the relationship most likely won't be as strong as it could be. This makes practical sense. The same thing applies in your relationship to God in prayer. Your prayers are how you communicate with the Lord. Through this process, he delights to bless you because of Jesus, and then in the process changes your heart to be conformed to the image of the king. Devoted to prayer practically means being honest with him, where you are, and to stay engaged, no matter how rough. He can take it. He knows your frame. He knows my frame. It means coming to him without distraction, even if it's five minutes a day. It means expecting him to do what is best for you, even when it's not what you asked for. Devoted to prayer means it is a praying life that you need to embark on, not praying moments. It's a lifetime engaged in prayer. And over time, you will see the heart of the Father through the intercession of the Spirit, or through the intercession of the Son, all bound by the Spirit, the triune God working in his distinct manner towards you, and you will be forever changed. So as we move to close, I remind you I'm terrible with names. But there is one who is not. There is a king who reigns right now, a king who holds the details of this universe by the word of his power, a king who is sovereign in the details of life and death. And the first step in a relationship with this Lord is conviction of sin and repentance when one looks for forgiveness because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. That's the cross. This is what Robin is practically doing for us every week, right? He exhorts God's word. He shows us our sin, and then he points to Jesus over and over and over as a reminder that Jesus is the reason we're forgiven. And when by God's grace you repent and trust in Jesus, you come to understand that he is your king who came. He lived for you. He died to ransom you. And he now lives and intercedes for your good. A king who knows you by name and will never forget it. A king who calls you by name and because of his grace and mercy towards you, in this life he will work to bless, protect, and discipline you. That one's hard maybe to accept, but it is true. So that you are conformed to his image, humble, kind, gentle, loving, gracious, and merciful. And he will then use you in great ways to tell people about him as you go by sharing the gospel, by loving well, and by praying for people as you go. And one day you will stand before him face to face. You will see the resurrected Lord Jesus where you will dwell with him for all eternity if you've placed your faith in him as a redeemer. But until that time, as we strive to live in a grace-saturated community, please keep in mind the practical ways that God's people grow in relationship with the Lord. One, know God's word and see the character of the Lord. Two, Find your people and see the Lord's redeeming work in their lives. And three, devote your life to prayer where you get God's heart and understand his relationship to you as a father. And experience and see the blessing that believers throughout history have enjoyed. One that Robin shared with us in his sermon a couple weeks ago. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all that I want. Let's close in prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for the fact that you do not leave us to ourselves. You've placed us in a perfect king and redeemed us, and by your Spirit's power poured out, we are now new creations that experience life in a way that is in relationship to you. But Lord, frankly, many times it's hard to grow when we are struggling with sin, even though it's been dealt with from a day-to-day perspective and the challenges that this world faces, we can get discouraged. But thank you for your word, Lord, that has been recorded over time that we can rest and rely upon and read and get to know you and find strength and comfort. Lord, thank you for a community of people that you have placed us in, that we are not on our own, that we can lean into and learn from. And Lord, thank you that you deal with us through prayer, that you talk to us intimately and work through the means of our heart to conform us to see your glory. We love you so much. We're grateful, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.